Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are. You know what time it is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And this episode, guys, <laughs> buckle up. This might take a minute. Um, this is going to be a little longer episode than usual, probably. I'm not trying to keep it to the 15 minutes, but boy, we got a lot of topic, a lot of stuff to cover. We're going to talk about the CDC, that is the Center for Disease Control. We're going to talk about how they just slammed. And when I say slammed, I mean bitch slapped. I mean beat, club them like a baby seal. Landlords, oh my God, what they've done is not cool at all. So let's dive in, shall we? First of all, I know a lot of you guys are going to want all the facts, and I, and I agree 100%. That's when I, I don't listen to the news anymore. Somebody tells me something, I want to go to the source. I want to know where the information is, where you got your data, because I in this day and age, we need to question everything, and that's just reality. We don't know who's telling the truth. We can't trust the media. We can't trust our elected officials. What we do know is that we can look for fact. We can always go to the source of the data. And if we can't get the source, in my mind, I just dismiss it. If I can't, people won't, when they say anonymous this or the person that brought this forward doesn't want to be named and whatnot, I don't I don't take it as valid because if and someone's going to hide in the shadows and tell stories, I can't verify they're true or false. I'm not going to get on board with trying to believe it. So with that said, if you want the full detail on this, you want to know exactly what's going on right from the horse's ass. Oops, I mean horse's mouth, CDC. I made a link for you guys. You go to cashflowguys.com forward slash CDC, cashflowguys.com forward slash CDC. When you get there, you're going to see the new order that just got put out that basically says no landlord in the United States. I mean, no landlord for any sort of rental type situation. That's a, a normal traditional annual lease type of situation can evict a tenant for non-payment, which means if you've got one of those professional tenants in your property, and you know what I'm talking about, those people that they're just good at screwing landlords. They move from property to property. They milk the system as long as they can so they can stay for free. And then they move out right before they get evicted. Well, I got news for you. If you've got one of those professional tenants right now, you got bigger problems than you've ever had in the past. In the past, you could just take them to court, depending on where you are. It could take as little as two weeks, maybe even less than that, maybe a week. Other jurisdictions, it could take six months, eight months. Who knows? It depends on the judges. It depends on the court system. But you can get them out. Well, I got news for you. Right now, you can't until the end of the year, December 31st. This applies to all landlords, regardless of what type of mortgages they have in place. Now, the previous orders they put out, the previous orders banning eviction did not only apply to people that had government-backed loans, your Fannie and Freddie type of loans. So all the people that had conventional loans or private mortgages or things like that, this did not apply to them so they could continue to do the evictions. Now, I will say this. I I gave you access to the complete order. I know a lot of you are busy. You don't have time to read this stuff. So I'm going to hit some highlights for you and some things I want to read to you to let it sink in. We're going to start with, for this rule, this new ruling, and first of all, I was shocked that the CDC even had the authority to do such a thing. And apparently they do. Who knew? This is what what we get for not reading the fine print, I guess, because I got to tell you, this one caught me by surprise, too. If you would have told me three weeks ago that the Center for Disease Control had the ability to control whether or not I could evict a tenant for non-payment, I would have told you you were crazy. I would have told you that's something I saw on, on some somebody must have put it on Twitter. But in reality, it's absolutely factual. Who knew? Oh, boy. Right. Well, let's get into it. Let's start talking about it because we really need to get down to brass tacks and figure out what in the hell is going on. So first of all, this order is in effect through December 31st. OK. And again, if you want the actual copy of it, go to cashflowguys.com, put a forward slash in there and then see 
CDC. That stands for Center of Disease Control. CDC, Charlie Delta Charlie. I want to start with the statement of intent in this order. And there's a lot of information in this. I'm not going to read it to you verbatim, all of it, because it's long and drawn out and procedural and boring. Let's get to the facts that matter. We're starting with the statement of intent. It says, this order shall be interpreted and implemented in a manner such as to achieve the following objectives. To mitigate the spread of COVID-19 with congregate or shared living settings or through unsheltered homelessness. Okay. So they're assuming that everybody that gets evicted for non-payment becomes homeless. And I'm sure that there is a certain degree of people that wind up becoming homeless, but it's not everybody. They move somewhere else. Maybe they're staying in a place that they can't afford the rent, which is quite common because most landlords don't apply the 30 or 40% rule, depending on who you're talking to. Basically, I want my tenants to pay or to earn net, that's take home, three times the rent. So if I'm charging them $1,000 rent, they must bring home pay $3,000 a month. If they don't make $3,000 a month, they don't stay at that place. So you just take your rent amount, multiply it by three, have them provide us pay stubs or tax returns. They should make at least three times that. Now I'm telling you these things now, maybe it's a day late and a dollar short, but really this is one of the qualifiers you should put in place for your tenants. I know a lot of you guys are going to argue that point and say, nah, I can do less and I've never had any problem. Well, guess what? If you have somebody that has the impression of being a professional tenant in your property, heh, you're going to learn a very painful lesson here real soon. So we're trying to avoid these painful lessons as much as we can, the seminars as we call them, right? We want to make sure we can avoid these things if we, if it's even possible. So it further says the statement of intent is to mitigating further spread of COVID-19 from one U.S. state or U.S. territory into another U.S. state or U.S. territory. Well, if they're worried about that, why aren't they shutting down the interstates? Why aren't they shutting down the airports? Why is it I can get on an airplane right now and fly anywhere in the country I want to, I want to fly to? Why is it that I can go to Walmart, but I can't go to a restaurant and sit inside in some areas? Okay. Now, I'm not one of these people that's heavy either way as far as these COVID things. It is what it is. It's a, it's an unfortunate situation. It's a pandemic. This is, as they say, it's a new normal. We don't really know what to expect. But I do know this. It never hurts to be cautious, right? But to take it to the degree where you literally are putting landlords out of business, if you thought there was ever thought there was going to be a housing crash, I got news for you. This is going to be huge. This is going to put out all these people that were doing these big apartment deals. Imagine how this applies to them. Imagine the guy that's got, guy, let's look at Ken McElroy. Ken's got, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight thousand doors under management. Now imagine if 10% of his units go belly up and stop paying. That's going to create one hell of a poop storm for anybody owning rental property. I got to tell you, this one, whew, it's a head shaker. Anyway, that said, so the statement intent, basically they're trying to stop the spread of COVID by preventing evictions. But the people that are living in the apartment, you got to think about it. They're going out, they're doing things. Heck, they're not, they're not, they must not be working if they're not paying the rent, which means they're not sitting home, staring out the window. They're going out and going to the park, doing whatever they do. It creates, they, it, this is a huge problem. I, I can't stop saying this because I'm absolutely shocked at this whole thing. Now in there, in the order, it says, if you violate this order, you're subject to a fine of up to a hundred thousand dollars. If you're an individual or up to 200,000, if you're a company. So if you own your properties in a company name or that, I imagine this would probably apply to a trust as well. You can be hit for a $200,000 fine. If it's, you're an individual, you got it in your own name. You can be subject for up to a hundred thousand dollars to violate this policy. But here's the thing. If the courts won't allow the eviction, how can you possibly violate this order? I guess if you grab somebody by the short hair and threw them out in the street, maybe that's what they're talking about. If a death results, now, this is the scary part. If a death results, it's up to the the fine jumps to $250,000 and $500,000 if it's a company. Well, I got news for you. There's big money in it for the medical providers and the hospitals to designate a death as a COVID death. We've heard all kinds of stuff in the news about that. 
I've listened to podcasts where they've interviewed physicians, they've interviewed medical billers and things like that, and they get extra money. They get paid if they're if it's a COVID death. They get it's a business center, a profit center for them. So I'm here to tell you that a lot of properties or a lot of deaths that have gone on that are really not probably COVID related. Maybe COVID was one of the things they had, but then they get hit by a car that's tagged as a COVID death. So think about that. I mean, does that tell me, does that mean that if you kick a tenant out in the street that hasn't paid you in a long time and they run out in traffic and get run over and the cause of one of the causes of death is getting run over and the other cause of death is coronavirus, does that mean that you're going to be whacked with a $250,000 to $500,000 fine? I don't know. That doesn't say that's the thing. It's left to interpretation. And one, like one thing we're seeing right now in the media is uh, the mob mob justice is what's going on. In other words, they're not following political leaders are being pressured or pressuring themselves into making ridiculous decisions. They've just chosen to ignore the law altogether. You've got senators out there telling people not to, or telling the cops that they can't prevent or stop or anybody from destroying statues and doing whatever. It's This is absolute lunacy, absolutely crazy. So a covered person, in case you're wondering, means any tenant, lessee, or resident of a residential property who provides to their landlord, the owner of the residential property, or other person with a legal right, which a property manager, they provide them, you have to provide basically an affidavit. So if you're the tenant that is, can't pay your rent, then you have to provide your landlord with an affidavit. But I'm going to go ahead and, and throw a little logic in this. If I was a tenant, if I was renting a place, and frankly, I'm renting down in the Keys right now. We haven't bought anything down here. We're probably not going to because it's just ridiculous what you get down here for your dollars is just not worth it. So we're renting right now. So if I go to my landlord, if for some reason I could not pay my rent down here, the right thing, the honorable thing to do would go to him and say, dude, I'm having a hard time financially. I can't pay my rent. I'd like to go ahead and leave. Remove, Take your deadbeat ass out of the rental property and go find a cheaper place to live. But again, this is America and people believe they're entitled to something for free because I guess that's how some people roll in this country. So they park their ass there so you can't put anybody else there. Oh boy, here we go. I can feel myself getting wound up. They park themselves there and they become a burden financially to you. Merry Christmas, right? What a great gift. But so the thing is that there's a, there are a few requirements for this to apply that's important, okay? They, you, the individual has to submit an affidavit and it's very specific. So basically you have to, the, the tenant has to go to the CDC website, copy and paste this affidavit or download it into a document, print it off, sign it and physically prevent, present it to the landlord for this to apply. Now I will say this, I've read the whole order three times. There's, I don't see any language in there that says what happens if they don't do that. I believe that's just left up to interpretation. So depending on whether we got a liberal judge or a conservative judge is going to dictate how that plays out. I'm sure that they're going to give exceptions. Somebody's going to say, I didn't know I had to fill out this form. Nobody told me it's not my fault. And some liberal judge is probably going to say, yeah, you're right. It's not your fault. It's the evil landlord's fault. Heavens to Betsy, he would try to pay his bills. What what a monster trying to collect rent so he could pay bills and, you know, eat. Who who thinks of such a thing? Terrible person. Landlords. <laughs> but I digress. It also says that the tenant must not earn more than 99000 So I guess that's good news for people in Class A apartments and things like that. Uh, I'm assuming that people living in Class A apartments earn more than hundred grand a year. At least I hope they do. If they're paying two, $3,000 a month in some crazy rent, they should be earning more than $100,000 a year. If they're not, I got to tell you, landlords, shame on you for not making sure they could afford the place before you put them in there. And unfortunately, this is where I'm not going to side with the landlords. If you're one of those landlords that just puts asses and butts in seats, as they say, and just plugs people in holes and send hopes for the best, then you kind of deserve what you got coming. Okay. You kind of, kind of deserve it. But if you've done the right thing and you've used the three times rent rule uh, to verify that they can in fact afford the place, then if they make over a hundred thousand, they don't qualify for this exemption. Thank goodness. Unless they're married and then it's 198,000. Okay. 
So two people, 198,000 max income. So if they make more than that, they don't, this doesn't apply to them. And one person, single person earning $99,000 or more or above 99,000, this does not apply to them either. However, if they earn under 99,000, which I would go ahead on a limb and say that probably the majority, the large majority of tenants that we're talking about here in the country probably make less than $100,000 a year or less than $200,000 a year if married, which means this applies probably if you've got tenants, this applies to you and your tenants. So it's a good idea to take some time, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash CDC, or you can find it yourself if you want to dig in the Federal Register, the CDC website. Good luck with that. It took me about a half an hour to find it myself. That's why I made the link to make it easy for you guys to find it. You need to read this stuff. Those of you that don't have tenants, I still want you to go read this stuff. It's important that you know. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, why it's important that you know the rules and how this plays out. Because I'm going to tell you the upside of this. Believe it or not, there is an upside. Bear with me. I'm going to work on that here in just a second. I'm going to give you the upside, but I want to cover a few things. It says... They have to say that they're unable to pay full rent or make full housing payment due to substantial loss of household income, loss of hours of worker wages, a layoff, or an extraordinary out-of-pocket medical expenses. So I guess if you get sick, whatever, you you catch a break. Now, here's a part that's a little different, and I'm going to tell you that this is going to vary based on municipality, where you are and whatnot. But it says here that the, the tenant has to state that they're trying to use best efforts to make timely partial payments that are as close to the full payment as the individual's circumstances may permit, taking into account other non-discretionary expenses, which basically means the tenants are obligated to try to make some sort of a payment towards you. I guess whether or not you accept one is up to you, but if it were up to me and I had a mortgage payment to make and there wasn't any sort of legal provision that jeopardized my position as a landlord in local law to accept a partial payment, I'd damn sure be taking whatever they give me. Now, that said, if you're not clear on that, what I mean by that is that there are cases where in some jurisdictions, I've heard cases to where the if you accept a partial payment, uh, that could impact your ability to collect and things like that. So I'm not sure that's the case in, in most places. I think in most places, collecting something is better than nothing. And I think that when they collect something that late fees still accrue because the payment's not in full. That said, you need to talk to a legal professional, an attorney that specializes in landlord tenant law, not your typical ambulance chaser attorney, not somebody who doesn't have any expertise in landlord tenant. You need to reach out to an attorney. Yes, it's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks, but it's going to keep you legit. The last thing you want to do is get caught violating a tenant's rights, especially in today's political climate. Do not take the advice of some schmuck on Facebook or some podcaster or whoever. You need to go spend a little bit of money, hire a real estate attorney, and ask them the specific questions for your specific municipality. Don't get caught short on this, okay? They also have to say that they they would uh, they have to swear or affirm that the eviction would render them homeless. I'm having a hard time believing that the person in a Class B or Class C apartment would wind up the next step would be homelessness. That's kind of a big one, but I guess I don't know why they're even making them affirm this because anybody could say whatever they want to say. Chances are we're going to believe them anyway. Now, here's one caveat I saw in here that made me feel a little bit better anyway. It defines residential property. Okay. Residential property means any property leased for residential purposes, including any house, building, mobile home, or land at a mobile home park, or similar dwelling leased for residential purposes, but shall not include any hotel, motel, or any other guest house rented to a temporary guest or seasonal tenant as defined under the laws of the state, territorial, tribal, or local jurisdiction. That's very important. So if you have short-term rentals or vacation rentals, the way I'm reading this, and I'm not an attorney, this is not legal advice. You need to go find your own attorney and take their advice. But the way I interpret this as a layperson, as a typical idiot in the marketplace investor, that tells me that my if somebody somebody decides to park themselves in one of my vacation rentals, that this little rule doesn't apply to them. 
that I get to put them out. Now I do know in the state of Florida and in the county where it, where I have my vacation rentals, I fall under a different set of rules because I'm licensed as in, in as a hospitality business. Okay, so it's not the typical landlord tenant laws for the state of Florida. Not all of them apply to my short term rentals because of the nature of the tenancy. Okay, the nature of tenancy again. It's not legal advice. If you have questions on this, you want more information, don't call me. Call your local attorney. So I want you to read this information. It's very, very good information to tell you exactly what you can and cannot do. And again, anything you don't understand, you need to go find an expert, a legal expert to interpret this for you because that same person is probably going to be the one to save your, your hide should you wind up finding a, a, a professional tenant that takes advantage of the situation. Now, I don't mean that to say that people don't deserve this to some degree. Okay, That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that there is a large degree to a large degree there are a lot of professional tenants, people that are really good at working the system. They're really good at moving from property to property without having to pay rent or getting discounted rent and taking advantage of landlords. This is not a one-sided issue. Yes, there are landlords out there. Absolutely, there are landlords out there that are bottom feeders, that take advantage of their tenants, that do a lousy job of being of a landlord. And frankly, they deserve what they are coming to them. But I'm going to tend to believe that is a small minority of people that are like that. I also believe that most tenants, the large majority of tenants are good people that are intending to pay their bills and maybe they've run across an unfortunate situation. Maybe they lost their job due to coronavirus. Maybe they got laid off. Maybe if they don't have a small business, their business was shuttered. Hell, maybe some rider burned their place to the ground. And I it, I think it's great to some degree that there are there's legislation out there to help these people that are in need. But I also believe that there's a lot of people out there that will take advantage of this, even though it doesn't apply to them. But understand this, when you go talk to your tenants, and this is, a, so that's the next thing I want to talk about real quick is what's the next step? What do you do now? Do you panic and sell everything or do you work through the problem? So to those of you that actually own real estate and you have tenants, the very first thing I would do is to go have a conversation with your tenants or have your property manager do it, or frankly, go together and test the waters see how they're doing, check in on them. We're in a situation right now where people are scared. Everybody is scared. Anybody who says they're not nervous or scared or intimidated by what's going on in the world right now, and I'm not just talking about civil unrest and, and riots and all that. I'm talking about the financial train wreck that we're on. We're about to head over a cliff. A lot of people are, are nervous. Hell, I'm nervous. I'm scared of, of the unknown of what's going to happen in the future. This is serious stuff. This is no joke. I know people on Facebook are like, no, nah, everything's fine. No, no worries. You know, buy my wholesale deal. Not the case. It's a train wreck. There is a point to persevere through this. Number one, go like I said, go talk to your tenants. If you have a property manager, take the property manager with you. Go shake their hand. Go look at them face to face. Maybe you don't want to shake their hand. That'll freak them out with the, the COVID, but go have a conversation with them. Understand what their problems are. What Figure out what you guys can do together as a team, what you and the tenant can do to work through this issue. Maybe it's reducing the rent temporarily until they get back on their feet. Maybe it's, you know, you can forgive a portion of the rent until they get back on their feet. I'm not suggesting that that's a mandatory thing by any means, but I, I also want you to take the time to think about is something better than nothing? Because if you just rear up your backside and say, screw you, pay me. Well, this is going to wind up costing you a lot more money. Even though in this legislation, it says that the, the tenant's rent does accumulate, late fees accumulates. They don't get away with all that yet anyway. Uh, I guess if Biden gets elected, he'll probably give that too. But um, if they're still on the hook for the late fees and all that good stuff, which, you know, depending on what your thoughts are on that, does that make sense, not make sense, doesn't really matter. The bottom line is they're still on the hook for late fees. Chances, the, here's the problem though you have to be able to successfully collect the late fees. It's like taking someone to court. You can take somebody to court. I had a guy that cyber stalked me for years and 
I talked to a lot of attorneys. I said, I'm going to sue this guy for everything he's worth. But come to find out the guy's not worth shit. He's poor, which is why he was a sociopath, psycho stalker in the first place. Well, suing him was a waste of my time because he's poor. He doesn't have anything. He's a deadbeat. So all I get is a judgment that I can't collect. And this is the thing you have to understand with a lot of these with tenants. They're going to give you these problems. If they're already broke, if they don't already have any assets or anything, then there's nothing to sue. Sue for, you're not going to, you know, the bill you can maybe collect down the road, but that's not going to be simple. I can tell you that. And I'm here to tell you, if you're dealing with trashy people as tenants, well, you kind of deserve what you got coming to you to some degree, because you got to be, take responsibility for who you let in your, live in your properties in the first place. So ask yourself this question. If you have vacancy right now and you're getting ready to put tenants in place, now's a good time to have a conversation with yourself. Go look in the mirror and say, what type of tenant do I really want to serve? You better be looking for a tenant that has a good track record of job history where they haven't been sitting on unemployment for the last 10 years or somebody who's not who's milking the system or somebody who's been a college student for 15 years. That may be a red flag. That's what we call an upcoming seminar. You're about to get an education. So you got to be smart when you're running these places out. So lastly, I want to leave you with what's what's good about this. Well, I got news for you. Wholesalers, real estate buyers, realtors, y'all are fixing to get paid if you're smart about this. Because here's the deal. Here's the reality. There is a big enough percentage of professional tenants and legitimate victims of this COVID-19 financial train wreck that their landlords are going to be freaking panicking. Their mortgage companies are going to be beating them up. And when people get panicked when it comes to mortgages being behind, what do they do? They want to get rid of these buildings quickly. They don't have time to screw around. Maybe they're trying to protect their credit. Maybe they're trying to protect getting levied with a, by being upside down and getting stuck for the difference. But what, what does exist is motivation. If you want motivated sellers, ding, 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 here you go. If you're a realtor, I'll start there. If you're a realtor, you need to dust off your, your realtor cap, get out there and market yourself as a problem solver. Somebody that if you, if given the opportunity can help these property owners, out of a tough situation. Your second job as a realtor, actually, that's probably your first job as a realtor, is you need to be getting in good favor with buyers, legitimate approved buyers, people that are actually in a position to pull the trigger and buy something because it, you, you can provide them a hell of a lot of opportunity right now. Wholesalers, this pretty much same thing applies to you. You need to be building your buyers list, finding out what specifically your buyers want to buy, and then going out and marketing specifically for that type of property, which means if your buyers don't buy one-bedroom condos, don't market, don't send mailings to one-bedroom condos. I know most of, you, most of the people that I get cards all the time for our properties, and I get these random texts, even though I know that we're not behind on taxes, we're not behind on our mortgage, we don't have any civil crap out there. They're just blindly marketing to anybody who owns multifamily. So I get a lot of these little text messages and whatnot. I'm here to tell you, wholesalers, 95% of the messages I get when I reach out, to the person that send it to send me an offer. I never hear back again. Never do they follow up. Not once do they follow up. Now, the reality of it is I don't want to sell my properties. I have no desire to sell my properties right now. I've sold a ton of property because I figured we were getting to a bubble and I'm never going to get as much money as I could get if I didn't move now. So to capture the equity, I sold a ton of property this year. And that's why I'm not panicking right now. But understand if you're out there providing that value, if you're a, a, a wholesaler or a realtor, don't ignore focusing on a strong group of buyers. You don't need a thousand buyers on your buyers list, guys and girls. You need a couple good ones that are in a position to actually buy and aren't going to waste your time. And then you should be marketing for properties that they want. Wholesalers, realtors. If somebody says, I want three, three bedroom, two bath properties in Chicago Heights, Chicago, or two flats in Chicago Heights, don't be marketing to Cleveland, Ohio. Market only to where your buyers are willing to buy. 
the type of properties your buyers are willing to buy. If they want three-bedroom, two-bath houses, don't give them one-bedroom condos. Serve them what they need on a silver platter and they will buy. Also, make it easy to buy. Right now, a lot of sellers, all they care about is that someone saves their ass for this from this mortgage because they can't pay the mortgage because, newsflash, the tenants aren't paying rent. Here's a problem you should solve. Frankly, if I was wholesaling right now, I'd be focused specifically on properties that are uh, owned by landlords, rental properties. Because they've got somebody parked in that spot, chances are, who's not paying rent. And they still have a mortgage because none of the CDC regulations have done anything to help the landlord. The landlord's still on the hook for the mortgage no matter what. So here's an opportunity for you to go out and seriously solve some problems. Because your buyer may not want to spend $100,000 of their cash today because things are a little hokey. But maybe you can set it up to where your buyer pays the, the mortgage payments that are behind Say if there's three, four, six months, whatever it may be behind, maybe your the purchase price is broken up in terms and you buy it and have the, your, your buyer buy it subject to the existing debt. Hey, Mr. Landlord, I know you're about to lose a thing to foreclosure and it's a real mess and all yada, yada, yada. I may have a possible solution. What if we made up your payments that were behind and start making your mortgage payments for you? In the meantime, we'll also intervene and work with these tenants to see if we can get them performing at the same time. Is that something that would help? Yes. Okay. It doesn't. You don't have to necessarily take deed to the property or you can take the deed to the property. You can structure it subject to, you can do a wrap, all kinds of strategies. But when you're out there in the marketplace, letting people know that you can solve problems, you are standing in front of a massive payday. Wholesalers, realtors understand you are in a position to reap a massive payday by helping people. That means you're not going to have to hide the bushes because you think you're being a bottom feeder, taking advantage of people when they're down. You're actually going to be out there solving problems. You're going to be out there making things better for people. And that's a great place to be in. And it's easy to make money when you're out there solving legitimate problems for legitimate people that are in need. So get yourself out there, dust off your notebook, get that direct mail going, build that funnel, get involved in the market, put the feelers out there, run Facebook ads, make posts all over Facebook, Instagram, whatever, that you can help people, that you have solutions for these mortgage problems. Instead of them having to panic, worry about their credit getting ruined, you can provide a solution. All they got to do is pick up the phone and give you a call. And the rest is history. Guys and girls, I hope you have a great week. Catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.